Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Now, today I want to talk about liberty. Mm, Because there are many misunderstandings many misinterpretations, many delusions when it comes to the understanding of the liberty that comes with God. There are three kind of people in this scope that I want to, you firstly to understand. There's a people who are bound and they do not know that they are bound, but seek to identify the areas of bondage and deal with them. There are people who are bound, and they know their areas of bondage and seek help to identify how to come out. And there are people, both in those who know and don't know, cannot yield and respond to the word and power of God to deliver them because they are opposed to the order of the Spirit. They have set themselves against the light of the glorious gospel. And many of them, their end is usually sad because you can't change them. They will never see things the way you see them. Um, You can pray, you can do everything, but they will never understand it. You see, it's one thing to be bound. It's another to be open to deliverance and help from God, restoration. And it's another when you are opposed to the hand that could and should restore you. Um, Children of Israel is a direct example. Jesus comes to them and tells them, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And they said, but we are descendants of Abraham. Was Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage with any man. How says thou that ye shall be made free? In other words, this is a typical example of people who are bound and they do not know that they are bound because they are a seed of faith. Because Abraham spiritually is a representation of faith. Are you following what I'm saying? Says not no. I've never been in bondage to any man. So how can you say that I'm bound? Do you see anything? I refuse. I can't. You know. 
But when you get inside their life and their story, the bondage is clear. You can see they're bound. They're not at liberty. They're not free. There's evidence, enough evidence, spiritually and physically, that denotes the same, that indeed this person is dealing with a lot. I don't care how bad a man is bound, if their heart is ready and open to the working of God and his spirit for deliverance. But I worry for a man who is, even in the slightest degree of bondage, is opposed to the help. You see, life is supposed to be easy. The life of salvation is supposed to be a very easy life. The life of human existence is supposed to be a very easy life to live. Albeit there are challenges and complications, but the life of the spirit is supposed to be a life so easily lived. His yoke is lighter. Somebody shout amen. His yoke is lighter. You're supposed to live a lighter life. Your life is supposed to be easier than many of the things that complicate life and sort of frustrate you from living the full purpose of God. And because of that, God has ordained an order to receive the things that we must receive to make life easier for us. There are set principles. There's quite a number, but I'll give you an example. For example, he says that resist not the powers. That's a very powerful statement. Resist not the powers, right? Begin from verses one. He says, let every soul be subject unto higher powers. Every soul be subject unto higher powers. Let every soul be subject unto higher powers. Every soul be subject unto higher powers. Every soul. I cannot repeat it enough. Every soul be subject. You see, these guys are me. I'm not subject to anyone here. Let every soul be subject unto higher powers. For there is no power but of God. And the powers that be are ordained of God. And it says, whosoever therefore resisteth the power, the Bible says resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that shall resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, if you study powers there, authorities, you realize that there are different kinds of authorities in human society, in every aspect of life. Institutionalization has taught us that one thing, that in every area of institution, there is and must be a certain order of powers. In the political area, there are powers. In the social you know, systems, there are powers. In the economic systems, there are powers. In the spiritual order of church, there are powers in every area. At your school, in your university, there are powers. On the roads that we're driving, there's police. You understand? There are powers. And the Bible says all of these powers are ordained by God. You understand? You can misunderstand a power. You can have a different view uh, with the power. But you don't cause a resistance to the powers if you know they are ordained especially by God. You understand what I'm saying? It's like police. You wake up and then you say, I am born of God. 
The spirit of God is in me. I am Meraki. I am Calopsia. I'm serendipity. I am poetess. I am everything. I am Fanero. Then a red light comes. Boah. Then you what? Drive away. All right? Policeman stops you. You say, I'm a peculiar person. A chosen generation. Set aside to the glory of mama. Mama. What will happen? Hey, what will happen? They'll arrest you. You understand? They'll apprehend you. And then you start fighting. You can't arrest me. I have the life which is of God. Even though my outwardly body is arrested. But my spirit is free. I am the message. You cannot arrest the message. <laughs> Come on. If the law says stop on the red light, do what? Because if you resist the red light, you're resisting God. But see, some of you think, I, I showed the policeman. No, he's not a policeman. All powers are ordained of God. That's why when our driving permits get expired, we renew them. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's why we pay our taxes. That's why if you're a student, if they say that your classes begin 8 a.m., let them find you in class at 8. Because you're born again. Then you find a kid who is a Fanero member. And then they ask, when was the last time you attended class? Uh, two months now. Why? I have the life of God. Yeah. What a shame. What a shame. What a shame. And then people put it on Fanero. Ah, you see what the results of Fanero? Hmm? Some of you have gotten us abused in your madness. And if you're a student and in this ministry, please don't bring shame to us. Please. Please. Perform to the level of the gospel you proclaim. You understand? So these powers that be are powers ordained by God. Obey the law. Obey the police. Obey your parents. Their powers ordained by God. When it comes to church, obey your spiritual authorities. Yes, God. Don't ever set yourself against an authority. You understand? Because the only way you are allowed to resist is to leave their realm. It's the only way. You understand? You're free to fight the police of Uganda if you're not in Uganda. If you say, I'm now, I've denounced my nationality, I'm going to go to another nation, you can set yourself against the police of another nation because they will not come for you. You are not subscribed to their driving, their lights, and their laws. You understand what I'm saying? But if you're still in the realm that you resist, even if you're right, you're not true. You get my point? Some of you work in places, workplaces. 
Then you hear a story about a believer. My boss is on my case. And then he's not born again. And then you hear a believer lashing at their boss and abusing them and acting so irresponsibly and disrespectfully to their boss. Because me, I'm a child of God. Even though you're a boss in this car company, I'm above you because I have the Woo! Why aren't you boss? Hello? Why aren't you boss again? Tell me, if you indeed you are a child of God, why did you enter the order where you're not a boss? You humbly applied. In your letter it was, I humbly. <laughs> Isn't it? You what? You humbly applied. You humbly. You humbly applied. Stop misrepresenting the kingdom. In fact, you should be the most obedient person at the workplace, except if they are setting you against, you know, the natural order like corruption. Eh? We want you to change the zeros. You're not supposed to change. No, there, justice prevails above submission, right? But you must understand that when you have people above you, right? The Bible says they don't have the road for nothing. I have seen people who frustrated their bosses at their former workplaces and a word was spoken on their life and they will never get a job at that level again. Unless their hearts come to reconcile with wisdom. Because if they're entrusted with the same level of glory, they will even destroy again. Some of you don't know that sometimes the opportunities that come in our lives are not there to establish who we are, but to test who we are. God will allow certain opportunities to come your way because in mind, your life has to be aligned to maturation when the glory comes. There are people, if I was sharing with somebody yesterday and I told him there's a man who can die if they get a hundred million in their account, they can die because of the things they can do with that money. It can destroy them. God wants your spirit to be able to sustain everything that comes. Everything that comes. To contain the glory that comes. To contain the anointing and handle it well. There are many people in our years that were anointed while we were watching and some even moved in higher glories than we did, but they did not handle the anointing well. They didn't carry the understanding of this thing that God had given them. They thought it was a cheap thing. They handled it cheaply and treaded where angels fear to go. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that the giftings and callings of God have left them. No, they're still anointed. But there's a certain responsibility, there's a certain grace that cannot flow on their head. It can't because they frustrated many things spiritually. You look at a person and their foundation is, is error. You see that they are men of error. They are set against the course of true light. They will stay gifted, but they will never change this world. They'll kill, destroy a few, manipulate a few here and there, use, kill, but they will never change the world because error is 
rooted. And some of those cannot, 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 because they killed the meekness that comes with wisdom and the wisdom thereof. Because you see, the Bible speaks of the meekness of wisdom. When you're wise a certain way, you humble a certain way. Did you hear what I just said? When you're wise a certain way, you humble yourself a certain way. That's what the Bible calls the meekness of wisdom. Anybody that goes outside the scope of humility and meekness in the things of God, if you look at them intricately, you realize that there's a wisdom they lack. There's something in God they have not understood. They don't understand that in God, meekness, humility is wisdom. It's not weakness. It's not weak for somebody to abuse you and then you don't answer them. It's not. It's not weak. If somebody says something evil about you and you keep quiet, it's harder to hold back when you have what to say. That's how you know that wisdom has a restraint. It has a sort of self-control that comes with it. It's mastery of self. But some of you think you need to answer everyone who abuses you. You need to speak back to everyone who insults you. You need to attack everyone who hurts you. You need to, you know, revenge to everyone who has done you harm because you're not wise. When you're wiser, you become more humble. And when you are humble, to a man without this wisdom, they will think you're weak. They will think you don't know. You understand? Because there are even spaces we know that, oh, this person did something to me. I know it. They don't know that I know it, but I don't need for them to know. I don't need to confront them to fight them. I can actually forgive them and watch them. PLO. Pray. Do what? Love and do what? Observe. Don't add the J. Don't judge. Pray for them. Love them and observe. You just pray for the person. Continue loving them, but observe their life and see where is this going. I have seen that there are many lessons to learn from such people. If your eyes are open to see, you will learn a lot by their end. And some God doesn't even wait to the end. They confront something in the middle that is bigger than their life can contain. And many of them are hit so badly. Some retain a place of repentance and restoration. Some, it's dead in them. They are so set against the light that they will never come back to the way of the Spirit. You see, I tell people that when you believe Jesus Christ and said, I'm going to receive you as my Lord and Savior, you embrace the word of truth. And when you embrace the word of truth, you embrace the word of truth fully. And the fullness of embracing the word of God, he has said the word of God is profitable. For what? For reproof. For correction. For instruction. For rebuke. Give me the amplified of that. He said, 
Every scripture of God is God breathed. Every scripture. Every scripture. Huh? Man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus said to Satan, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You see that? Not a few. Don't be selective when you're receiving the word of God. A Christian who is selective in the word of God is a Christian who is bound to damnation because you will oppose the powers even without knowing. You will resist the powers ordained by God. And he says, and he that resisteth these powers, the Bible says, sets themselves into damnation. You're damned. You start walking in a literal line of sort of evidence of a curse around you. Things start falling off the rail and you don't know what to do about certain instances. You're successful in one area, you're not successful in another area, or you're actually not even successful in any area because you've set yourself against. That's why the primary temptation when Jesus Christ goes into the wilderness, turn these stones into bread, and he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word of God. What you're telling me is to use the word of God to perform what suits me instead of the holistic picture of the word of God in light to the general purpose of what suits God. Who has understood what I just said? Now he's telling him, look, you have liberty. You have an anointing. Huh? You see, again, this is liberty here. Huh? Underline, liberty. You have the liberty of the anointing to turn stones into bread. Turn these stones into bread because you have the liberty of the spirit. And he says, hey, if I turn these stones into bread, is it in line with a holistic picture and general purpose of God for me to turn these stones into bread or it zeroes the power of God into a selfish mind to perform so that I please you? What about the holistic picture of the word with which I have to deal? Should I deal with you just to please you by using the liberty of the spirit to turn stones into bread such that I satisfy you? Don't you see that that's in the realm of temptation and that's one thing Christians never pass. Many Christians cannot pass because they don't understand that the liberty with which they've received with God comes with boundaries in God and sacred notions around it because they cannot imagine a liberty that is in boundary. So many in that instance would prove that they're a son of God. And that's why I feel so sorry. Or I always pity. Every time I probably watch a television or I hear or see a video of a man of God who is demonstrating power or prophesying or healing or demonstrating deliverance and then he mentions that people will know that I'm a man of God. I feel sorry for them. Because many times that's temptation. You mark a man who mentions words like you shall know that there is an apostle in the land and then you shall know that there is a prophet of God in the land and then you shall know that I am the Lord's evangelist. Listen. 
God has not called us to vindicate our offices. Shout amen. amen. Even if men disqualify my apostleship, it's a small thing. You understand? I'm a man of God whether they believe it or not. I don't need to do things to prove to a man that I'm a man of God. Satan already knows it. He does. Bring a devil. I'll show you. Bring someone with a devil. A tomb, I'll show you. You understand? So never get to a place of trying to prove who you are before God. That's a big temptation. Never do it. Every time you're provoked, if you are born again, do this. If you're a man of God, do this. If you're this, do that. The moment it comes, let the red lights come on. Because you're not come to do your will. You're coming to do the will of him that sent you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Jesus said in scripture, he says, if I witness of myself, then my witness is not true. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. He said, if my witness is of myself, he said, then my witness is not true. This is the son of God. Hey, John 5, 31. He says, if I bear witness of myself, then my witness is not true. If a man of God stands on the pulpit to bear witness, I'm a man of God. I'm going to do this to prove that I'm a man of God. I'm going to heal to prove I'm a man of God. I'm going to prophesy to prove I'm a man of God. I'm going to teach a certain way to prove to you that finally it will settle in your heart that I'm a man of God. Then you're lost because what defines you as a man of God is not in the gifting of God upon your life. If you bear witness of yourself, then your witness is not true. Let men see without your intention to show but with the constant commitment to do what God called you to do. There are many people who doubted us many years ago. Now they sit on Fanera and watch every Thursday. Some even fear to come to the meetings. But not because we told them, now let me do something that proves to you that I'm a pastor of grace. No, we simply continue doing what God called us to do. Somebody shout hallelujah. So not many would have passed the test of turning stones into bread. But there was a picture that Christ saw. Every word of God. The holistic picture of God. So he says every scripture, right? The Amplified says, is God what? Breathed. It is given by what? By inspiration and profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline in obedience, for training in righteousness, in holy living, conformity to God's will in thought, purpose, and action. Next verse. So that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete and proficient, well-fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. This word is for your sake. Somebody shout amen. Amen. I'm exhorted that I'll be completed and proficient. I am rebuked that I may be completed and made proficient. I am instructed, disciplined. I am exhorted. I am comforted all to the end that I will be proficient and that I'll be complete in God. There are people, if you talk about the word, you must be talking about a word that comforts. When you comfort, they stand up and say, Shekereba. 
Yara kata kata. Apostle, you can preach. When you're exhorting them, or encouraging them, or you're, you're in the middle of a burning line of faith, you're preaching a very deep faith someone, they're all like this. Praise God. When you make one mention of correction, he's attacking me. He's attacking me. Of all these people that I come on you. You understand? So, you must be able to receive the word of God 360. Somebody shout hallelujah. You must have an attitude to say, God, here I'm rebuked. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this one good. Eh? Mm, this one is true. Even if I pretend like how, but this one. You understand? Right? And say, oh God, this one, I think I received the instruction of it. This one, God, I see you're approving me of this. I receive it. I receive it. But there are people who only receive part of this. And when rebuke, reproof, correction, instruction comes, they set themselves against it. And you study these individuals personally and you see there's something wrong with them. You understand? Observe. Again, I told you it's not wrong to observe. Just what? When you observe, you see, ah, these individuals set themselves against truth. You see, we all come in the church of Jesus Christ broken. Right? The idea of the word of God is to heal every broken part and put it together. Right? Like the Chinese term, Kintukorai. Right? God gets all these pieces of you and just seals them back with gold so you're a more beautiful vessel than you were before. That's the essence of the gospel. The church doesn't have only holy people, saints, consecrated, set apart, wearing white and you know, looking handsome and beautiful when they have tucked in. No. Sometimes the church brings every kind of madness. You understand? If some of you are raised in families where you have many children, you can look at just madness between siblings. Eh? Five, six guys, one is crashing with the other, and one is crashing. Then you understand. And then all of them are, have their own different ideas and small groups of fighting, infightings, misunderstandings, right? And then you're raised sometimes in families where extended people come and visit your homes. Then you see a kid with very bad manners. You're like, never mind. Who are the parents of this kid when this kid was growing up? You see? Now imagine everyone with their madness from every family they came from. They are all in Fanero. Do you know what I deal with? The one who was taught to abuse is abusing. The one who was taught, as in every madness is there. You listen, you see, you observe. But as a man of God, you must understand everybody came for God to change them. I am not called to change you. Uh -uh. What I'm called to do is give you the word. Then you make the decision and say, you know what, God, I'm ready to change or not to change. But I am not called to change you. You can say, oh, your message has changed me. Yes, but not me. Me, I don't have the power to change you. You have the power to respond to the word of God. You understand what I'm saying? So we come in this word, in this space of the word. All of us come broken. No man comes an angel. 
We firstly born with a fallen Adamic nature that understands things from the Adamic perspective of ways. We are fleshly, we are carnal, we are indifferent. Some of us are even raised in very disobedient atmospheres we don't want to know, you understand? Some of us were fighters in the past. You know those people who don't, you don't even need to cross the line for them to, ah, yes, you want us to punch you? Can we fight now? Yeah, you okay? Yeah, it starts, the punch starts. There's no preamble of touch me, touch me, I touch you, go across this line. No. Do you want, can we fight a bit? Yeah, you understand. We was raised with guys who just used to tell themselves, can we fight? The guy says, no. Yeah, there's no limit for fish eating food. Then if it's food, and the guy comes at your house at the gate. He's unsatisfied. Can we go here? Where? Then you even choose a place. And then, and then in the same room here, there are people who have never fought. They don't know the feeling of a punch landing on a jaw. I'm not saying fight. Are you following what I'm saying? And God has to deal with a fighter also. Sense that he can pursue peace. Some people, you just need to snap them a bit. And the old man comes up. Woof, and then they put on like, you know. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank God. Because me, there are people I look at and I'm like, if this person is this crazy in God, how were they like when they're outside? Ay, 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 ay. Because me, I am a pastor, I see it all. You understand? So I'm like, but if this person, somebody came and told me, hey, your spiritual daughter, she did this and that and that and that and that. You know, if some of you have been to my office, I have like a small placard I bought one day and it has writings on. It's written, excuse the what? The mess my children are making story. They're writing. You understand? Excuse the mess. In other words, when you come to Fanera and find a broken person, just excuse the what? The mess. The person is growing. Don't take it personal. Eh? Excuse the what? The mess. Because you see, for those of you who have been raised or who have children, there is an age of kids. Three, four, five there. Ay, 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 ay. You can enter the living room and everything is messed up. But these are your children writing history. One day you'll sit back with them and say, do you remember when you never used to do this or do that? Yeah, yeah it's, there's a time. They have to be children at a certain age. Wait, you teach them, learn to do this, put this in order. But you'll find mess one day at your home when you have like a small child. You understand what I'm saying? One time somebody found a kid, the kid had poured a fountain pen, right? This person left ink somewhere. Ah, and the kid accessed the ink, <laughs> drank some, bathed some, put some around, smeared everything, comes back home. <laughs> I, and they have that smile. <laughs> you understand that? There's two teeth in front, like. What <laughs> you know? And some of you don't know that this is a kid. No, they're making history. Take a photo, keep it. When they become teenage, you tell them, go and sweep the compound. You show them the photo. 
I cleaned you. <laughs> I what? <laughs> I cleaned you. So it's now time for you also to what? To clean. Praise God. So at the end of the day, we all come broken. We all come with our issues. We all come with our stories. We all come with our own understanding, our ideology, our doctrine, our way of thinking. And then the church... As the word of God comes, rebuking, correcting, instructing, you understand? You see change. And fathering some of you for five, six years, I have realized there is power in being patient with people. There is power. There are people, when they are just doing the ministry, I used to ask myself, God, how am I going to keep with this person? One month, when they kill me, they change. And then the same person you see four, five years back, they are a different, totally different person and they are beneficial. Then you're like, eh, I would have lost this person. But then there are also those ones, the Lord would tell me, this one, you're wasting time. They won't change. Not because as God, I can't change them, but they've set themselves against the order that can change them. They only receive one part of the word. They can't receive it fully. It's painful. You see, you come, for example, with your issue. Let's just say, an example, you have anger. You come to church, but you're an angry woman or an angry man, right? There are many things you can do when you're angry. And you know it, that for you, when you snap, Nambasa, you can kill. You understand? That's who you are. You come in the presence of God. You're welcome, right? Then they start preaching the word. Remember the Bible says, as we behold in the mirror, the glory of God, we are what? Metamorphosed. We are changed. Now, you might not be able to observe your change easily like it is that now you look at the mirror and look at your primary pictures or your senior four pictures or your campus pictures and you see the woman you've become and there's a huge difference. But when you look in the mirror every morning, it's not something you see. It's just that one of all realization in months one day you're combing your hair and you see a gray strand and you're like, oh. You understand what I'm saying? Or you're in the mirror and then you see a what? A wrinkle. And you're like, eh. Hey. Oh, go on. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? But before that, it is very hard for you to realize that you're changing. Yeah? Like for me, there are many of you I met many years ago when you were in campus. I compare, you know, it's easy for somebody actually to compare than you to compare yourself. You know that? There's some people I remember. You get my point? There are people. Of course, there are some faces that are so hard because for them, even then they grow, not much changes on them. But you will appreciate if you're in your 30s or 27, 28, go back to your picture at 18. <laughs> Praise God. So you're dealing with anger. And then you come in the church. Then the word instructs you. The word rebukes you. One day they say something and you're like, ah, that's me. You get it? Huh? And then you have a choice, right? Right there you have a what? That's me. God help me. 
Or, why is he attacking me? What have I done to him? Eh? Who does he think he is? Or who does she? You understand what I'm saying? You have the choice. All right? God, that's me. Help me. Deal with me. Break me. Bend me. If you can receive that, then when the instruction for more oil comes, you will receive it. If you cannot receive that, you will not receive deeper things because it's the same word. It's one. You get it? It's what? So someone deals with anger and then they're instructed and then they're taught in the things of the spirit. Two, three, four, four months, one year, two years, third year, it dies. You find a very different person. And then you find another person five years later, they still have the anger. It's still there probably even stronger than before. You understand? Now, if you continue living in the word, remember the word is a revealer, right? The spirit is a speaking oracle. Never forget that. That is why when the Bible says in the upper room, what sat on them were tongues of fire, right? The spirit is a speaking and a spoken oracle. He expresses himself through the word. You get it? You cannot grieve the spirit and understand what grieving is when you have not first set yourself against the voice of the spirit. You get my point? Okay, if they are attacking you, let God deal with them. But what is it? Is what is said to you? God deal with me. You understand what I'm saying? Because the word of God is a revealer, at every level, someone can stay with their demon and entertain it, feed it, justify it, cover it with an overinflated ego, and then it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows. But if the word of God continues coming, correcting, rebuking, instructing, cutting you, there are two things that happen. Either you will allow one day and allow that devil to leave you and you stay planted and grow, or the devil in you will fail to contain the rebuke and disconnect. Two things will happen. So not all people, not all people leave church because they are led by the Holy Spirit. Some people leave church because it has cut, cut, cut to a point where the thing in them is so offended and it cannot stand that rebuke and looks for a place where it will be tolerated. That doesn't mean that you're free because you have looked for places that tolerate your demons. It's only a matter of time. Even there, it will manifest. That's why I tell people, if you're leaving a ministry, leave it for a higher anointing. Leave it for a higher what? Anointing. If you go to an anointing less, no anointing below where you come from can fix you. That is why some people leave ministries and they worsen. Have you noticed? Observe. Again, never leave the car. Oh, because there are lessons to learn. Someone leaves a ministry and they worsen. Something on them worsens. Something worsens. They do something that they could not have done when they were still in the ministry they left. But what is that? 
this is not even with them. This is, they tolerated something and it refused to leave them. They feed it. It's what you feed that grows. Saints, it's what you feed that what? That grows. What you don't feed does not grow. You get it? So some people sit only up to a certain level. There's a certain level of anointing. When it comes, it will have to change them. And either they'll have to humble and receive the rebuke and correction and stay, or they'll move elsewhere. As I said, at least get higher oil. But you see, you can assume it's higher. <laughs> In your head, you can think it's what? It's higher. <laughs> you will know if you're a better person. You can only know that if it made you better. You understand? Because the things of the spirit are the things of the spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? So allow the word of God to work through you. 360. So we ask them, what does it mean to be free? Well, some people think they're free because they have a car. Some people think they're free because they have a house. Some people think they're free because they, you know, have this and that. A deal came through. No, that's not freedom. The Bible gives you the true mind and understanding of what it means to walk in freedom. Psalms 119 verses 45. Yeah, let's read. One, two, let's go. And I will walk at, for I seek thy precepts. God has told you this is the only way to walk at liberty. You seek the word of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. If people understood this, they would enjoy a freedom. And let me tell you something. Because we are raised in a foundation. Foundations, more so in this nation. The foundation so much of the gospel in this part of the world is, were very warped from the beginning. So the, the problem with unsound doctrine is the ears of men become dull to hear. And many carry not the ability to receive higher places of instruction. They can only understand with the things that are common in the three-dimensional world and can only function third-dimensionally. Many people don't live a life outside the predictable life that is why many Christians are looking like the world. The results of many Christians are the results of the world. Because they can only be third dimensional. They don't understand the dimensions beyond which humanity can function. Because great wisdom, invention, science, technology has been invented in the third dimension. It's enough to boggle the mind of a normal person. And so many of us think that, that that's it there is to the world. It's enough to blow us by science. It's enough to blow us by technology, which is good. It's enough to blow us by many things. But many people are not blown by revelation because even when it comes, they don't receive it and understand it. They, you serve them pearls or gold and diamond and they receive it like they're eating broccoli. 
You get it? So when Jesus, for example, says, do not cast pearl to swine, lest they trample on them and destroy you too. That statement is so powerful that if a man does not know what is given to them and who gives it to them, they can destroy both the, both the man and what is given them. Some people don't understand how precious the word is. How special and gifted and graced they are to hear these things. As I warn you, some of the things you'll hear in this ministry, you will never read in a book. You'll never see anywhere. You will know one day how blessed you are that God is giving us these things. We are blessed. We are very blessed. Tell your neighbor, we are blessed to hear these words. We are. We are. And when you respond to the word that way, more is given. Because God understands you respond and appreciate. All right? But it's likened to a man who has a wife and then she cooks the best meal. And then he comes and just looks at it and walks away. And does not see or test it. All right? Or tests it, but his mouth is seared. And so he cannot test. And because he cannot test, he thinks the food is not good. No. The problem is your test. Okay? That is why the scriptures tell us to give life to that which remaineth. Right? That which remaineth. Because you can get seared to a level where almost everything in you starts to die against the way of God. That if the word of God should come, it, it's, it is, it, the, 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 you're seared already. Your soul is seared. You, you don't receive revelation as revelation. You don't see things of the spirit the way that a man can land on the same teaching and change his world. And then you sit under the same teaching and it never changes you. Same teaching. Same teaching. Same teaching. It is changing one man and to another it's because inside there, there's something that you see at your soul, your conscience long ago. So the place that hears God is so confused that you can even hear the heaviest revelation and treat it like the lightest thing. The Bible says they laugh at powers they know not. You get it? They stay indifferent. They're against the course of the spirit. They don't, they will never, some will never get it as they should. And that's where our pangs are. You know, some people think that women are the only people who have birth pangs. No. Galatians 4, 19, my spiritual children for whom I labor for like a woman in birth pangs until Christ be formed in you. That's the apostolic pang that they will know. That's the pain. We travail every Sunday, every Thursday, but that you will know. One day you'll finally come. You see, this is those who think they know, but they don't. Because the results of this knowledge are not evident in them. If you knew, you'd not act that way. If you knew, you'd not have an attitude. Why would you have anger? Why would you be resentful? Do you know there are people in this ministry you can greet and they don't answer you? You understand what I'm saying? Someone just bypasses you. They're dealing with something. But 
the rebuke has come. And then after service, they do it. What up? You get my point, eh? No, seriously. Because you see, you have to get to a point where when God shows you the way, you just adopt to it. Quick to repent, quick to forgive. The two cues. Quick to repent, quick to forgive. I always tell you, keep that in mind. Quick to repent, quick to forgive. Those are the things you should be quick at start. Quick to repent, quick to forgive. Those two things. So, the pangs are there. The pain is there. And God likens that the pain a woman would feel when they're pushing a child. He likens a similar pain that we feel when you don't get it. And that's true. Because we've wept for some of you. We have fasted for some of you and we never told you. Because you will never understand it. You get it? We've sacrificed things for some of you and you will never understand it. Not because we want you to say, yeah, yeah, thank you for that. No, but because the pang is real. The pain is real. You can see somebody going the way of destruction and you want to help them, but you can't because they are set against destroying. And then you believe in them and the more you believe in them, the more they destroy. That sometimes it's even healthier for them to live. Because if you get rid of the scorn, a strife ceases. You get it? You will never know until you stand up here. You get it? People will never know what happens in the back of ministry. Because what they see is the thirst of people screaming, but they don't get it. That there's a price to this. Way bigger than many can ever articulate. And until God helps you to understand that, you'll never do the same for men. You'll never do the same for others. But when you see that, you become patient with people also. You understand what I'm saying? That's how we won you. That's how we win many of you. By patience. The joy is consequently to see that this person has changed. But also the pain that there's somewhere God tells you, this one, you're wasting time. They have seen enough you know, like he says, if the things that were done in you were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, it would still be standing. You even start to pity the people who died in Sodom and Gomorrah because God is saying, the works that are done in these people was enough to save Sodom and Gomorrah. But even after receiving it, they never changed. A man can set themselves against the things of God even to know what is obvious to do and they still refuse it. And I have observed, remember, pray, love, but I've observed all of those people. They are all stuck in a certain area of life. They're not free. They're not men and women of liberty. But I can tell that their limitation is not this issue. It's something they set themselves against and because of that, they can't move on to this. There are things God will never entrust you with until you learn to position yourself a certain way. Because if they're given to you, you'll destroy them and the whole mind of it. There are pastors who God is doing a favor not to even give more than 20 members or 30 because if he does, they will destroy them. But then there's a young man who thinks that 
they need members. What can I do to get members? Tell me the principles to get members. And I, I look at them and I'm like, already your heart is not right because you're looking at this transactionally. You're not looking at this relationship-wise. You understand what I'm saying? You're, you're not looking at what you have to give. You're looking at what you have to take. Because you're a taker. You get my point? Like I said, these words are very far from some of you in this room. But I am praying that God gives you understanding. Because if you never understand these words, you will never be free. You will never be free. The word there for liberty is the Hebrew word raukab or raukab. Now raukab, the word raukab means broad, wide, roomy, able to stretch and be stretched in every direction. God likens spiritual liberty to a man who has been put in an open, vast land with no hindrance, no, no nothing. And it stresses as far as his eyes can see on the left, as far as his eyes can see on the right, as far as his eyes can see on the east and the west, the south and the north. And in the spirit, this man is told, Go wherever you want to go. Do whatever you want to do. The broadness is available for you to do whatever you want to do, to go as far as you want to go. Some people don't understand that what God gave Abraham that day was liberty. When he told him, look north, look south. From where you are, for as far as your eyes can see. Imagine if he told him that and he was in a small box. Imagine he had a, a, a square, a, a one meter square box standing in a one meter square box with, you know, here, there's a wall here, there's a wall here, and there's a wall here. And then God tells him, as far as your eyes can see, I have given you what would be Abraham's inheritance? The space of that box. But Abraham saw the world and he became the father thereof. Because God gave him liberty to function in every direction of the spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. This is something that is so hard to explain until somebody witnesses it spiritually to see what it means to be free. The liberty of the spirit the ability to go anywhere and do anything and see and act anywhere in the confines of liberty. Many of us have not walked that place so we don't understand it. That's why Psalms 119 again, the 96th verse says that I have seen the end of all perfection but thy commandment is exceeding broad. The Hebrew word there again for broad is the very word that he used in liberty in verses 45. In verses 49, the same word liberty is the same word here, broad, raw, curb. You understand? The ability to see in every dimension to go as far 
as you want to go, to see as far as you want to see, to experience as far as you want to experience in God. If you never have that kind of liberty, if you never understand, sorry, the liberty that God is talking about right now, you're going to be limited in the world. You're going to be limited in the world. You will never discover who exactly you could have been. That's why I tell people there's a huge struggle now to reconcile that kind of liberty of open space to go and be and do whatever you want, yet with a boundary in God, yet with the sacred boundaries of the Spirit. And that is why every time you function beyond the liberties of the Spirit and the liberties of God in the exploring of the things freely given. Every time you go outside the boundary of God and the sacred things, you're never happy. You will never find happiness when you seek a liberty outside the boundary of God and what is sacred. You will do whatever you will do and still come back empty, even if it looks like you're free to do it. You're not really free. You're bound because bondage begins after the boundary of God. Bondage be, begins when we do beyond the sacred. Once we go beyond the boundary of God, then it doesn't matter how much. That's why it's very tempting for the human spirit. That's why he, he urges us and tells us, use not this liberty for vice, but use it only by love to serve one another. Don't use it for the occasion of the flesh because it's easy for the fallen nature to respond to the liberty given by God through the flesh. It is easy to yield your flesh in the same liberty when you finally understand that liberty. Why? Because you have a fallen nature in you. Your flesh is fallen, but your spirit is life. That's why to be fleshly minded is death. Why? Because you go beyond the boundary. And for many people, like I said, it's so hard to fathom that there's boundaries, yet I can go anywhere and do anything and go anywhere. How is it that I'm free to do everything and go everywhere and do anything I want and do anyhow I want, whichever way I want, yet there are boundaries in this God to find the boundaries, yet enjoy that freedom, is maturity. It is never going to be about how much you have. It is always going to be about how much you can access. Never forget that. You can have a million dollars now, and you can't access an extra dollar. And there can be a man with just one dollar in the pocket but he can access $4 million. That man is richer than you. Because if the door of his access continues to open, that four can become a billion, can become a trillion, because the windows are still open. Right? The windows are still open. But some people, the windows are shut on them, yet the doors are open. The expenses stay, but yet what brings in is dead. It doesn't matter whether you have a billion dollars, it will go. It's never about what you have. It's about what you're able to access. The liberty of the spirit keeps a constant flow on what you can access. That is why, talk about money. 
Those people who know me know I'm a very free man when it comes to money. Very free. You know why? Why it's easy for me to give? Because I know how to access. So I can't be stingy. I can't hold back. I cannot not help when I can because it's available. I have access. I have not looked for money. Since 2013 when God said the sun will never go down without a man blessing you. There has never been a day since 2013 when a door has not opened for my provision. So I can't worry about access. Access has stayed open. That's why some of you even still struggle to tithe. Because how will you access? Even the tenth for you is something to preserve because you don't have access. Liberty comes when you understand how many things are accessible, not how many you have. So I don't admire a man because he's a billion dollars rich or a trillion dollars rich. No. One day it will cost nothing. One million dollars now is not a million dollars in 1920. A million dollars in 1920 was something like a billion shillings. Now it's a million dollars. In other words, the idea of economies dies every day and is replaced by something bigger. Back in the day, in our olden days, you'd buy land at 50,000. Now, it can't even sustain you for two days. Some of you, it's one meal. You see how things have changed? But even though economies have changed, God has stayed constant. And true. Somebody shout hallelujah. God has stayed constant and true. That is why many of you are living in a downward spiral of losses every other day because you're in the wrong realm. You're functioning in the wrong realm financially. You're functioning in the wrong realm relationship. You're functioning in the wrong realm ministry. You're functioning in the wrong realm. When you understand the realm of God, what is value to him is not the way men value things. What is value to him is attached to assignment and what you need to fulfill the assignment. Jesus sent his disciples and none lacked, he said. Why? Because they were fulfilling kingdom assignment. Paul says, I know how to be full. I know how to abound and I know how to be without. He says, for I am both instructed to be hungry and to abound and suffer need. You know why he would abound and suffer need? It means I know how to give out everything and be with nothing and then tomorrow morning attract more because I have the grace of access. You are never free when you cannot access. And that's what I'm trying to teach you. That the windows of access stay constantly open to you. When you understand what it means to walk in all directions of the spirit, you will meet the things you need to meet. And when those things are translated into the physical realm, you'll find purpose. When you find purpose, you will never look for money. You will never look for a job. You will never look for happiness. You'll never look for a spouse. You'll never look for anything in the world because there are things when you find them, other things start finding you. Praise God. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. The literal Hebrew word there is shall overrun and override me. In other words, they'll run for you. After that, hug you, roll with you, even run in front of you and around you. Why? Because you have understood what is precious from what is vile. You understand? You've understood the way the things of the spirit function. Things will be easier for you. You'll not struggle. 
their men were struggling in life, marriage, relationships, business, family, ministry. You are not free as you ought. When you're free, the challenges are persecution. Or because either some people are jealous because they can't have what you have or they question how you have it because their patterns can't bring what you have. That's all right. You can be hated and abused for being blessed, but you must be blessed. You must walk in the blessing of God as he has ordained it in your life. When I accessed liberty in the spirit, when God opened my eyes one day and finally that liberty was granted me and I could see it as I ought, I realized that my pattern portion in this world was revelation. And that's what I picked. And I picked. And I picked. And when I pick it, the windows have stayed opened on my life since the day I met the spirit of revelation. And I know how to keep them open. It's not by chance now that sometimes they are flung by a few indulgences by the spirit. I know how to keep the windows open. For as long as you know me, I will be deep. Thank God. When I got that, listen, when I got that, I never worried about anything. I never worried about money. I never worried about my relationships. I never worried about my transactions. I never worried about who I meet, how I do whatever I do. Why? Because when you meet this liberty, everything else in the world is fixed. You don't compete. You don't compare. You don't strive. You don't struggle. People have disagreed and can disagree. People can persecute. People can dishonor because they don't know me. That's okay. That's between them and their what? They are God. But if you observe my life, I'm like this. On a steady trajectory going up and up and as long as I live, I'll never hit plateau because the access is open. I know how. I'm free. For who saw the sun sets free? He shall free, free lead. I want you to talk to God, whichever way you can talk to God. Talk to him, talk to him, talk to him. And I will run to you, to your Speak in other tongues. And your pen 
you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.